Legal Monday on the Viewpoint with Songhez Omabete. Ah, how many people have been scammed? We're all aware of how possibly buying a home would be the most difficult or the most involved, certainly, purchase of your life, given the fact that 9 out of 10 times you're taking out some serious money, payable over a 20-year period, and it's for the dignity and sanctity of what you will call home. Now, this transaction is not without its pitfalls, and this evening we have Miss Trudy Brookman, an attorney specializing in consumer law, on the line to cross the T's, dot the I's for all of you at home, particularly those who are in the process of buying purchases, and if you are, congrats to you, because what the interest rates are doing right now, if anything, that should be a trajectory that's moving in the other direction. Trudy, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to SAFM. Always a pleasure to have you again. Evening, together. Thank you. <laughs> it's, a, it's lovely to be on, on air. Very briefly, what have the interest rates done to the conveyancing business, particularly as it pertains to property transfers, property buys, and, 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 and? It's just astounding. You know, you would think that conveyancing would be dead, but um, actually it's my impression is that uh, there are some South Africans who still have money in their back pocket. So um, not it's, it's not as dire as, as we think in terms of the conveyances. I think for us ordinary consumers, it's a tough time to be buying and it's a tough time uh, to have recently bought a, a property where you're still mainly paying interest and not so much paying capital. Um, you know how a, a, a bond reduces initially just by you working away at the interest, interest, interest for mm. many years and then and then you start working on your um, capital, capital yeah. sum. Um, so yes, that's a tough time for consumers and a time where one wants to be particularly wise when you are um, uh, sticking out your, um, your, or taking a big risk at least, uh, really sticking out your neck by um, uh, making an offer on a property at this stage. Mm, sure. I think what I propose to do is let's just, to the extent possible, just offer a practical step-by-step guide as to how one buys a house. Songhezo right now has gone to his bank. He wants to buy a property. The bank has said, Songhezo, let me just offer an arbitrary figure. We can give you an allowance. Okay, well, you, you qualify for a million rand bond facility with us. I go to another bank. One says 1.2 million. Another one says 800,000. What is the most prudent thing to do in those circumstances? I think this is now just the nascent phases of buying a property. Mm. So what you want to do is once you have an idea of the sort of figures that the different banks are willing to offer you, you need to know what is the um, what is the monthly repayment for each of those figures. So on the 1 million versus the 1.2 million, it's going to be a different amount. And you need to do, take a very careful look at your finances and see which one you can afford. Then you want to think, okay, um, maybe I'm earning commission and at the moment the commission is quite high, so I can easily afford that 1.2 million rand bond every month. But maybe in six months' time, I want to take a month's holiday and there's no commission coming in that month. Can you still afford that monthly amount? So we need to, to just be very careful and prudent in terms of figuring out uh, what you really can uh, afford even in a bad month when the expenses are high, when there are unexpected expenses because uh, landing up in arrears with your bond 
it's, it's something that I don't wish my worst enemy. It's a, it's a really stressful situation. So carefully count the cost of, of the house and then decide um, what, you, what you can comfortably afford. Then the second decision, I think, is whether you want to go through an estate agent or whether you want to try and do a, a private uh, transaction. Um, if you're a first-time homebuyer, it might be a good idea <laughs> to have an estate agent because they have been uh, through the uh, type of transaction a hundred times. Um, they're great with um, negotiating on your on your behalf. They're great at finding a property in the type of area, in the type of price bracket, uh, with a with a type of amenities and uh, features that you are looking for because they have a big database. So those are already the pros of, of having an estate agent in your corner and going to see someone who can help you that probably would be able to assist a little bit with giving you a feel for this house that you have fallen in love with, what is the correct price for it, what is the value, true value of it. Um, and they can even assist you sometimes with putting you in touch with someone who can do a property inspection as well. How do you know um, you're actually dealing with an estate agent? I could just say hmm. I'm an estate agent, and if I'm smart enough or tricky enough, could probably fool one or two people, more particularly the younger people who probably would be doing this for the first time who don't have such experience as buying a property. Yes, so it's a very good idea to um, check out the name of the of the person who says that they are an estate agent or property practitioner um, on the Property Practitioners Regulatory Authority website. Let me say that again slowly. Mm -hmm. So an estate agent, the new legal name for them is a property practitioner, and there is a regulatory authority, the Property Practitioners Regulatory Authority. Check them out, the PPRA. Um, uh, on their website, they have a list of all the estate agents or, or property practitioners, um, that are properly qualified and registered with them. Make sure that you are dealing with one of those um, and that they hold a valid fidelity fund certificate. Those are certificates that um, uh, mean that the relevant property practitioner has met the regulatory criteria of their professional body. Um, don't, don't waste your time. Don't waste your uh, risk, your money. Um, where you're dealing with a person who isn't properly qualified and registered. Um, on their register, it's also possible uh, that, um, I, I'm not sure whether the system is in place yet, but take a look um, when you have a, an estate agent in mind. If they have not complied with the um, regulations that apply to them, there can be a black mark next to their name. Once again, if you see a person with a black mark, Find another estate agent. They like lawyers a dime a dozen. You can easily find one who is hopefully above board. The time is 21.45. I'm in conversation with Ms. Trudy Brookman, attorney specializing in consumer law. We are taking questions, calls, comments, anything to do with the buying and the selling of a property. It can be a residential property. It could be a property for investment purposes. It could even be commercial property. Have you previously had challenges with an estate agent, with the attorney who is the seller's attorney in most of the case? 
have you previously scored a deal that you are now somewhat in a position to share how you did that, all of course above the law? What are the legal pitfalls or just the transactional pitfalls that perhaps were a blind spot for you previously, a mistake that you made that you want to empower us who listen not to repeat, even if you might not necessarily benefit from that? Any question, any comment, any bit of advice is important for us because this segment is around ensuring that we empower each other on the law. And in this matter, we are engaging the question of buying and selling property. So please call us 86 2032 Drop us a WhatsApp voice note or text 0614-104-107. Trudy, okay, I have met with the agent. We agreed that this is the property I want to buy. I've done the number crunching and at least I am comfortable with the repayment as it pertains to the current interest. Let's have a conversation about something we made reference to, the fluctuating interest or can I lock myself in a fixed interest for the purposes of buying this property for the duration of the 20 years? The pros and cons in relation to fixing the interest or letting the interest respond to the market as it is. So, okay, so uh, fixing an interest rate gives you security, but it's security that at the moment comes at a cost because we know that the interest rates are particularly high. Um, I'm not an economist, and maybe one can ask an economist what their view is in terms of how high the, the interest rates can possibly go, whether they can go much higher than this, but I think that we're at the t- quite close to the top of the curve. So if you lock yourself into an interest rate which is just a little bit lower than we are seeing right now, Mm -hmm. you're going to be paying at a very high interest rate. Maybe I can give an example from from way back when I was a student, and I'm going to give away my age now. I'm 50 years old. So (laughs) (laughs) I I studied in the late 90s, and then I had to get a student loan to go and study. I had an opportunity to study abroad for a few months, and I got a loan for that. at that stage, the prime interest rate was 22%, so very high. Um, and um, I got the interest rate because I, I was in my final year of LLB at prime minus 8%, which is amazing, <laughs> minus mm. 8. Okay. And and the interest rate from came down then during the time that I was paying off my student loan and I was allowed to pay that off over many, many years. They were very gracious with me. Um, and it it became the interest rate went down from 22% to 8% so that for a year or two in the course of that whole period i never paid interest at all because the interest rate was 8 minus 8 equals 0% so interest rates really can fluctuate fluctuate i've, I've felt it myself in my pocket <laughs> um, mm. so please be ready for any type of eventuality so if you are a very conser- conservative person maybe fixing the interest rate might um, uh, give you better peace of mind. Um, but at the moment, my suggestion would be that um, right, if you if you are able, if you have the cash flow available, that you that you rather ride the tide because it's likely that the interest rates will come down again at some stage. Remember, we pay off uh, a bond over a period of 20 years, uh, not over a two-year, three-year, five-year period. Yeah, so there's think certainly nothing more committing... Well. One and one's finances than a bond, which on average is 20 years. Let's talk about something which you made slight reference to earlier on. 
the fact that you eat into your interest first before you eat into the capital. Does it help? And many say it does help. Does it help? And I'm asking this question with the hope that you'll respond on the other side of the break. If, say, at that current interest rate today, the bond repayment, for argument's sake, is 10500 what does it do for me to, although I should be paying per the rate 10500 if I should decide, okay, I've got an extra 500 rand lying around and I want to make sure that I take it to my bond, what's the impact of that extra 500 rand from 10500 to 11000 in the repayment, both in terms of terms and amount payable. The time is 21.50 after the break. Trudy Brookman responds to that question as we shall continue walking the road as to your rights when buying or selling a property. Legal Monday on The Viewpoint. 21.52, The Legal Monday with Song Azomabek, the Trudy Brookman attorney in consumer law, buying and selling a property. The question is, 10500 is what I should be paying, but I've got an extra bit of money to play with 500 bucks i take my bond repayment to 11000 rand what does that do for me trudy so if you do it once it's going to just make you feel good about yourself and it should <laughs> <laughs> if you do it consistently it's going to make a huge impact uh, so i've seen studies where people have worked it out um, uh, adding even a, a relatively small amount, like ten thousand on on a on a ten, uh, like five five hundred on a ten thousand rand repayment, um, shortens your period and reduces your interest payments over the years dramatically. Um, so I really recommend that if you can do it, definitely um, uh, to give your um, uh, bond repayment a top up. Um, if you can do it. Every single month, if you if you can't do that, do it whenever you can uh, in a month. Um, we uh, are advised by the economists to start by reducing our debt even before we save. And the wonderful thing with a with a property, uh, if you've bought a, a property that has inherent value, that has good value in a good area, in a growing area especially. Um, you are both reducing your debt by paying a little bit more and uh, making a, a, a fantastic investment. Um, years ago, I had the experience of buying in Woodstock in Cape Town, which was an area which was increasing in value quite quickly. And over a period of four, year, four years, I managed to triple uh, the amount uh, that that I'd, I'd bought for. It was incredible. So property in four is years. generally... In four years, triple. Um, South African property, generally speaking, is an excellent investment. You need to check, though, that you're buying in a good area or in an area which is which is improving. And Cape Town is, is uh, where I'm from is, is quite special in terms of having really excellent property values, which makes it very hard to get into the market. But once you're in, it's great. We should have a conversation off air about this. I do have a WhatsApp voice note. Let's listen, please. Hi, evening, Songezo and your guest. Uh, my question is along the lines of uh, the reconstruction development program. Um, simply put, the RDPs. I just wanted to find out from your guest um, if those can be transferred, the ownership can be transferred on that. Can someone sell an RDP house? And how do we go about registering? And also, can it be can it be can it be issued via maybe, for example, a deed of donation? Can I donate it to somebody? Um, uh, just uh, some clarity in that regard um, uh, regarding RDP houses. 
Fantastic, and perhaps I should tie with that. Does the ownership on, of an RDP house come with the title deed? Please do respond to the question that the listener is engaged in, and I just want to understand the instrument that confirms ownership on an RDP with you, Trudy. Yes, RDP houses do come with title deeds, and they should come with title deeds. I know that there have been issues with certain uh, rollouts of RDP houses where um, the funding for the for the housing project hasn't included sufficient funding to allow for the conveyancing to happen properly and for title deeds to be issued. That is a, an absolute indictment on on government. If you have an RDP house, you are entitled to get a title deed, and there are various NGOs assisting um, uh, consumers who have received RDP houses and then just waited and waited and never got their title deed. Please speak to one of those NGOs operating in your area if that's you. Then the gentleman asked whether an RDP house can be transferred. Now, with any other type of property, you can buy it today and sell it tomorrow, even if you haven't paid off your bond yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no restriction. But with RDP houses, there is a restriction. And I'm speaking a bit under correction now. It used to be five years, I think, and I think it's now seven years where you can't transfer um, a title, in other words, ownership of your RDP house to another person um, by selling it or donating it um, to anyone else. Obviously, if you pass on, uh, then your, uh, your, your beneficiaries um, would be able to inherit it, even if it's within the seven-year period. Um, but you cannot uh, voluntarily transfer um, within the restriction period. So please honor that, and please be careful. Anyone who purchases an RDP house, you must be sure that the previous owner has had it for the full restriction period and that the restriction has now been lifted. Otherwise, that transfer is not legal and the house will not belong to you. Who would it belong to? It remains with a previous, um, with a seller. Um, Okay, so, so, so that's an important point because if I am unscrupulous and I know that, I could pretty much sell an asset that otherwise will not be recognized as a sale. And I could just keep selling it for 50K, 50K, 50K to whoever wants to buy it. And, well, if they want to claim, they now have to go through the civil courts to try and get back their 50K from me, the respective would-be purchasers. But I don't lose ownership of my property. Is, is, is that a fair reflection of what the law at least would imply? Exactly, Songhezo, which is a huge problem, and we see that happening. It happens, yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, it, it's absolutely shocking, and it's exploiting people who have who are just first-time property purchasers. So the way in which you buy a property, a piece of land, even if it doesn't have a, a building on it, the only way in which that can become yours is if the registration of that house is put on your name at the deeds office. It's not a question of whether you've paid the money. Please don't pay the money uh, unless you get registration of that house on your name at the deeds office. And that is a process which happens um, uh, uh, via uh, uh, conveyances who are special types of lawyers who deal with these transfers from one person to another at the deeds office. So if you haven't got the transfer, you haven't got the house. Um, it's as, as simple as that. Final question. 
I drive around my neighborhood and I often see homes that are just clearly abandoned. What is the law on abandoned properties? <laughs> it's a really interesting area. Um, you can abandon a property in terms of our common law, but you would have to really put in effort to demonstrate that you no longer want to be the owner of it. At that stage, it then reverts to the state um, and uh, and that the property will belong to uh, uh, some uh, government department. Um, what if uh, I want to buy that property? It's in the neighborhood. There's no use. There's, there hasn't been any use for this property, say, for four years because I've been living in this neighborhood for four years. So it is at least it has all the hallmarks of being abandoned. What can I do? Who do I buy it from? What are the next steps if I want to secure the property? First step is to see in whose name it's registered. Remember, if it's registered in your name, you're the owner. So find out who the owner is. Um, I think that in most cases, Songhezo, you're going to find out that uh, th there is an owner and that the owner just has been very relaxed about engaging with their property. Mm -hmm. Maybe they purchased it with a view to developing it. Maybe it belongs to a person who's died and um, the estate is still being um, passed on to the beneficiaries of the of the person who's died, etc., etc. So in in 99% of the cases, you'll find that it isn't actually abandoned, and that you have to purchase it um, from the person in whose name it's registered at the deeds office, um, and a conveyancer would be able to find that out for you. But most most other attorneys would have access as well and be able to find out in whose name the, the property is registered. Then that person would, the, the attorney would also be able to uh, give you contact details or at least an address mm -hmm. and um, sure. you could contact this, the um, owner the and, and owner. make them an offer. Okay, I think I'm going to be sending you a couple of emails tomorrow because there are a couple of properties. I asked that question only for my own selfish interest. So, yeah, I can only thank you for your time. And, and I mean, it's 2201. So thank you, Trudy. I really do appreciate your time and indulgence. Likewise. Thank you for a very interesting discussion, Sangeza, and, and to the uh, listeners who um, gave us incredibly interesting questions as well. Excellent. Have a lovely evening, sir. I shall. I shall indeed, Trudy. Thank you very much. Please say, make my day, please. Just say happy birthday to Kanye Samabeko before you read the news. Modupi Mahalimeli, 2201.